Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Well, we've been looking through the attributes of God these past few weeks, and I think what many Christians don't realize is that the knowledge about God is not only the loftiest type of knowledge, as we'll see today, but it is the most practical, life-giving type of knowledge. Through the knowledge of God, grace and peace are multiplied in our life. When the Apostle Peter opens up his second letter, he says in Second Peter 1-2, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And Peter here is giving a benediction or a blessing from God. And this it's so insightful here. He's, he's not just saying grace and peace to you as some of the other epistles say. He's teaching us how this grace and peace comes to us, namely through the knowledge of God and the gospel. Grace increases in our lives. Peace increases in our lives as we learn more about God, see more of his gospel, grasp more of what his son has done for us. Therefore, the knowledge of God is the most important type of knowledge that we could ever pursue. Now, thus far, we've looked at several attributes from the Shorter Catechism. Question number four, which tells us that God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So today we're arriving now at God's intellectual attributes, his mind, his thinking, his knowledge, his understanding. In other words, his wisdom. So let's first, uh, brothers, say begin with God's omniscience. Omniscience. What does it mean for God to be omniscient? Well, first of all, it means that there's nothing, there is nothing outside the scope of God's knowing. Uh, the, the God's knowledge of, of, of all reality is comprehensive. There's nothing that misses his attention. There's nothing that he doesn't understand. There's, there's nothing that escapes him or, or is beyond his knowing. His knowledge is all-encompassing. And that knowledge is things from the past, things from the future, things of the present, mm-hmm. things that actually happen, things that could have, the possible that could happen, that God's knowledge is not limited in any way, shape, or form. And something that I'm very aware of. Uh, well, aware of uh, when the Lord says that the very hairs of your head are numbered, uh, He implies a knowledge of my past, mm-hmm. my present, as well as my future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a never diminishing number, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, you know, there's a couple places in Scripture where it, it speaks of God's um, uh, knowledge of, of future things, um, specifically. Um, and I guess the question here, and I think this is relevant for the way that we think about the Bible, the way that we think about our destinies, the way that we think about our salvation. So the question is, is why does God have knowledge of all things, especially in the future? Is God just really good at pre- predicting these things? Can he, is it just he sees something in the future and his knowledge is an effect of that thing that's happening? God knows all things in part because he made them. 
Um, God knows all things because he decrees all things. He knows all things because he upholds all things. Um, in a lot of ways, God's knowledge is tied to his sovereignty. Um, because God is God, um, he can't learn. He doesn't grow. He doesn't develop. Um, so his knowledge of the future is tied to his eternity. God is not part of time. And so he doesn't need to wait to see what's going to occur to be able to say, well, this is knowledge that I've acquired. Um, because of his godness, he knows all things. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a good point to interject that there is a, a false teaching out there that uh, you should have your have your ears attuned to. It's called process theology, and, and maybe – listener hasn't heard that term before, but essentially what it means is that God is growing and, and developing along with us. Uh, poor God needs to do some growing up and, uh, and is becoming more and more, uh, you know, growing into being God, let's say. And obviously I'm, uh, obviously I'm not speaking favorably of it. Such, such, a, such a being would not be God. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a being is not the God of the Bible. Uh, the, the Bible never gives us any kind of indication of that that, that would be an attribute of God. Um, what what that theology, what that false theology essentially does, is bring God down to our level, mm-hmm. uh, and it wants to bring God down to our level so that we can shape God rather rather than rather than us conforming to Him and to the image of His Son. Uh, so when you're when you're hearing. Uh, if you hear uh, uh, indications of that kind of teaching, just just have your ears up for that. It's out there, uh, and it's false. Uh, it's unbiblical. And we would say that God's knowledge is always immediately and directly before his mind. And we, he doesn't learn anything. In fact, the uh, Bible writer stood in awe of the knowledge of God, uh, Romans eleven thirty three through 36 is just a doxological refrain on this one. It mm-hmm. says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judges, how inscrutable his ways. There's, they're in awe of that uh, comprehensive knowledge. And there's a personal aspect to that as well for us. Uh, scripture declares that God's eyes run and observe everyone. You know, the, no creature is hidden from his sight. He knows us. He also knows not only us externally, but internally, um, because he searches all hearts and observes everyone's ways. Yeah. You know, um, the way that I, if I've, someone asked this question to me, is God just really good at predicting things? Is that why he has knowledge of all future events? Uh, I would say that God knows all things because um, the events of all things future are the decrees of his own will. Right. Yes. Um, that's why he knows all things because these are the things that he has planned. Yeah. It, it would be nonsensical to say that God could know everything without being able to control everything. If you can't control everything, you can't know everything. That's right. That's right. Yeah. At the bottom of all of this, I mean, this is where I think actually Calvin is right, that God's sovereignty is one of the things that ultimately we as human beings have to, to wrestle with. And when you when – you, don't have a clear understanding of of what it means that God sovereignly reigns and rules and governs over all things, then naturally what happens will be that you end up 
having faulty understanding in different areas of who God is. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the byproducts of not truly understanding how God has sovereign power and sovereign will is that we begin to get um, off the rails with regard to God's understanding, wisdom, knowledge. And then all of a sudden, God becomes lesser of a God because he's learning. He's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's doing the best that he can. He's, he's trying to adjust to what's coming down the pipe, but, you know, he's limited. Yeah. And I think we have to maintain, no, God is not mm-hmm. limited. He, he is. He, I mean, Romans would say that, um, oh, the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We, we just don't even know the, the half of, of who God is in his wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are unsearchable things. Um, and that's what Paul says there. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think you guys have already alluded to this, but what what's the problem? Let's just make it clear for our listeners. If, if we say that God's knowledge, his omniscience, is an effect of what he sees in the future, so God's just really a, a good fortune teller. If, if we make God's omniscience an effect of what he sees takes place in the future, what's the problem with that? Well, in that event, God's not really sovereign over the future, um, and, and God would not be God. Um, it, it, that, that kind of a theology would say, well, God is good at anticipating and managing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then who's directing the future? Mm-hmm. It, it, some other force would be, you could, you know, whether you would call it fate or chance or um, randomness, uh, then God would not be God of the future and and God would not be God. Mm. Um, if 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 God is indeed sovereign, as as the Bible teaches us, then He's sovereign over the future too. He's not just good at anticipating and managing. Mm-hmm. Um, he He indeed reigns. We we're talking about God's omniscience, His all knowing, and that is infinite. And it's infinite because God is infinite, and God is the source of His omniscience. He doesn't learn from anything. Mm. His knowledge depends on Himself and Himself alone. And it's as, as eternal as He's eternal, mm-hmm. as infinite as He's infinite. You just said something that I wanted to kind of seize on. You said He doesn't learn, and and I think that is a, a major. Uh, consequence of holding to this idea that God's omniscience rests on what he sees will take place. God in that worldview is learning. Well, what's a problem? What's the problem with a God who is learning? Well, he's not perfect uh, and he's not unchangeable because his knowledge is changing. His knowledge is increasing. Well, that, that destroys God's um, infinity. I mean, it really, it, it destroys his eternal knowledge. It mm. actually unravels every attribute of God. And that's the problem, really. I mean, this is why these things are important because as you start to tug on one attribute, it's, it's like a, a tapestry where you start pulling on one thread. It unravels the whole doctrine of God. Well, yeah. And, I hate to, <clears throat> I, I hate to speculate too much about people's motives, but I'm going to anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I really think uh, part of the part of that motive behind uh, what, what we mentioned earlier is process theology, and you know this idea that God is growing and changing and developing is that very often we maybe I'll just put it in the we um, and maybe be a little bit more humble about it. We don't like parts of what the Bible teaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of us that would like to say, oh, well, yes, God taught that back then, but now he's changed his mind mm-hmm. and much more broad-minded and, and 
much more tolerant than than that, you know, than, than the God of the Bible. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, I do think that there's something there's something human uh, and and not something good human at work in that way of thinking uh, that it wants to put aside the God of the Bible and put in its place a God of speculative philosophy that's more in tune to modern values. Well, for the the person who's not a Christian, the truth of God's universal knowledge has to bring some sort of dread, and it comes as a reminder that we can't hide um, ourselves from him, our sins from him, or anything about ourselves. And so there's some dread, and that's why they do want to play and diminish God's knowledge. As a Christian, however, we, you know, that's the assurance that we have that he's that we're not forgotten, that we're being cared for um, according to God's promises to us. Hmm. Yeah, in fact, Psalm one thirty nine. It's such a beautiful picture of what the of what the Christian's uh, security is in all of God's knowledge, because it begins with "Search me, O Lord. You've searched me. You've known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You're acquainted with my thoughts from afar. Behold, even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together." And if you think about it just for a second, that's terrifying. Because if God knows, every, if I can't hide, I can I can hide my sins from you guys pretty well, except for the ones that leak out. But God sees them all. Yeah. But yeah. but the psalmist finds comfort in that, and he says it uh, in verse seventeen when he says, "How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God." Well, how can God have precious thoughts towards us if He knows everything about us because of Christ? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why Christ is called the wisdom of God in the New Testament. Well, that's where we'll we'll stop our broadcast today on the omniscience of God. If you've missed any of our past broadcasts, you can go to ReformationBoise.com. And we hope that uh, as you go there, you find information about our conference coming up here in November, as well as get caught up on past broadcasts. We'll see you next time. <laughs>